Oh, good morning, everyone. How we doing? Yeah? Hey, if you're in love with Jesus today, let me hear you go, whoop, whoop. Ah, I love it. Everybody watching online, thank you so much for tuning in with us today. Hit that like button, hit that share button, and help us reach as many people as we possibly can with this message today. I love that we're doing that. We're reaching a lot of people. You guys were here last week. You heard a crazy story about how we've connected with someone in Pakistan. Is that crazy? People in Pakistan now enjoying the ministry from Eastgate Church in little bitty Douglasville. That is crazy when you think about it. Who you got in the Super Bowl today? Barbecue. Somebody said barbecue. Who's going with barbecue? The Falcons? Oh my gosh, that just brings back so much heartache and disappointment. We need, whew. The Falcons couldn't even Man, I, okay. You know what? We're speaking faith for next year. It'll be the Falcons year. Um, Arthur and the boys, look, we need y'all, we need y'all to step it up. Y'all are spending a lot of money. Y'all need to be, y'all need to be winning some, some rings, okay? I know he's not going to hear this, but it makes me feel better to say that. Uh, so who's got the Rams tonight? <laughs> I already know the answer to this next one. So who's got the Bengals? Yeah. So it sounds like we're a Bengals crowd. Who just does not give a flying rip? God, I see the spirit of Rachel is spreading through the church. To put, oh, it's just like watching her talk about the Super Bowl party tonight. I mean, that is how you crash and burn a promotion for an event. I don't care about it. I don't care who's playing. I just don't give a rip. I don't care. But there's going to be some good food, so I'll show up for that. That'll be fun. I'll be, I'll be there. <laughs> so, but, but it will be fun tonight. Now, check this out. How many of y'all like to have fun? Do you like getting together with people? Yeah? yeah? You like playing games? Yeah. And you like eating good food? Yeah. Oh, so we got a whole lot of stuff going on. And oh, by the way, we'll have the Super Bowl on TV too. So in the middle of all of that, we'll get to have some fun. Um, cannot wait for tonight. I have no idea who to pick in this game. I'm scared to pick either team. So I'm just going to enjoy it. I just hope it's a good game. So listen, uh, if you haven't planned on being here, if you're watching online and you're still kind of on the fence about being here tonight, let me encourage you. Show up tonight. You're not going to regret it. We're going to have a blast. And you know what? With all the crazy stuff going on in the world, man, we could all just use a night to just kick loose and have some fun. What do you think about that, you know? So be a great evening just to kick back and have some fun and enjoy some good food. So we are asking you to do this, though. If you come tonight, bring some football food and bring enough to share, okay? Don't show up with, like, an taco and be like, hey, I brought food. No, bring, bring, like, a whole bunch of food to share and maybe bring a dessert, whatever your specialty is, and bring that. So the church is providing food, but if we all bring some groceries, we're going to have some showing up good food tonight. It's going to be great. What a great way to end a fast, just by overindulgence and gluttony while we watch a football game. And you know what I'm saying? All the spiritual focus. <laughs> it sounds so bad when you put it that way. So in moderation, we shall have fun this evening, and we'll be good. Uh, man, uh, you picked a great season to be at Eastgate, though, I'll tell you that, man. We uh, got the annual business meeting coming up in a few weeks, so don't forget about that. Members, you are expected to be here. All right, 
Um, all those team members who are not yet members, hey, come talk to me. Let's take care of that before the business meeting and, and get you on board at the highest level of commitment we've got here, at least on paper at the church, and uh, get you through that final step so that you can have the opportunity to vote on some things in the business meeting. Part of the perks of being a membership is you get to help decide some of the major uh, focuses of business in the church. And so uh, being a member is more than having your name on a piece of paper. It carries with it responsibility and weight as we make decisions on the future of the church. This business meeting is definitely going to be one of those Sundays. But we got a lot to celebrate. It's going to be fun. We always have a blast when we do it. Y'all ready to dive into this message today? Starting a new series today called All In. Yeah. All In. I just could not come up with anything better to do on the last day of our 21 days of prayer and fasting than to say, Lord, you've moved in us. You've spoken to us. You've grown a lot. I've heard the testimonies of how God has grown the people of our church. We've seen the miraculous take place. We've seen people healed We've seen people get new jobs. We've seen doors open for people that have been shut for years. We've seen God move in such a powerful way, and God has given us such a great uh, vision for the church, not just for this year, but for years to come that we're going to be diving into over the next couple of weeks. So you definitely don't want to miss the next couple of weeks of church. It's just going to be absolutely amazing as we celebrate what God's done, and we look forward to what he's going to be doing. But I was thinking, in light of all of that, it's like the only natural thing to do is just talk about going all in for Jesus. Going all in for him. You know, not, not, like, not like money, not like possessions, not like just our, what we do with our time and, and all of these things as individual aspects of it, but, but all in. All my heart, all my soul, all my mind, all my strength. God, I am yours while I am on this earth let me be a tool in your hand. Everything that I am, I am for you. I am 100% committed to you and my relationship with you and who you have called me to be. I am all in for you. That's the heart behind what we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks. And I believe that it's going to be absolutely powerful. As powerful as the 21 days of prayer and fasting were for our church, I believe these next few weeks are going to be even more powerful as we continue to take the next step. Everybody say next step. Yes. It's what this whole year is about in our church is taking a next step into who God has called us to be. Whatever that looks like for you, wherever you are in your relationship with God, because it's going to look different for each of us in here, but we want to take a next step towards who God is calling us to be. And if I could sit down and look every one of you in the eyes across the table, either at my home or a coffee shop, and we were just talking, and I had one conversation to have with you. The one thing, the one thing that I would talk to you about outside of your relationship with God would be the power of having the proper perspective in life. Perspective is everything. When you're talking about going all in for Jesus, that immediately creates two operating perspectives in life. Either you still have an old worldly mindset where you're operating from the perspective of the world and, and view of um, your money, your time, your talent, and what you do, or 
you've adopted a new perspective, which is an eternal perspective on life, where you realize what you see in this world is temporary and it's not going to last. And what matters most is what the Bible says most, because what we're going to be held accountable to and for is what the Bible says and what we've done with Jesus in this world and how we've used our time, our talent, and our possessions and our gifts and all our resources to further the kingdom of God and lift up the name of Jesus and making life not so much about us and what we can get, but about lifting up Jesus and reaching as many people as we possibly can for him because eternity is a long time. This life on this planet is itty-bitty and short. And so if I could say anything to us, it would be get an eternal perspective on life. Because it changes everything. It changes how you deal with people. It, how, it changes how you raise your children. It changes how you approach work. It changes how you deal with difficult people in life. It changes how you pray. It changes how you serve. It changes how you give. It changes your attitude and outlook on life when things aren't going the way that you want them to go. Having an eternal perspective changes everything. Changes everything. Perspectives are important. And I, I want to give you just a few, couple of couple of thoughts on perspective and how important it is as we get into this conversation today. And number one, I would think, um, in talking about perspective, is how we view things determines how we do things. How we view things determines how we do things. Our perspective is going to establish our behavior. It's going to establish our behavior. Uh, the second thing would be what we see is what we will be. So perspective doesn't just establish our belief system, but perspective also, also sets the course and direction for our lives because what we see or how we see it, our perspective, will determine what we will be every time. Uh, the third thing would be when we change the way we look at things, the things we look at change. When we change our perspective on how we view things, then it opens up a whole new arena of life. And one thing I, I see a lot when I counsel uh, married couples is that there's, each spouse is always excited about seeing the other spouse change. <laughs> you know, if you will just change, get them to change this, our marriage will be perfect. You know, get them to stop doing this. Get them to start doing that. If you just get them to change, it, it'll, be, it'll be awesome. Our marriage would just skyrocket from here. It'd be great. How many of y'all know somebody in life that you could probably say could benefit from some change in their life? Yeah? Uh, how many of you are sitting next to somebody right now that could probably benefit from change in their life? Now, don't, don't wave. Don't lift your hands or anything like that. Just look forward, okay? Blink twice and let me know who I'm talking to. There's a lot of blinking going on in here. <laughs> a lot of blinking. A lot of blinking. Yeah, we all know somebody who can change, but probably if you get down to it, the person that we know that needs to change the most is us. And so when we change the way we look at things, when we change our perspective on things, it changes, it changes the things that we look at. 
perspective is everything. And, and here's the last quick little thought on uh, perspective. Is that what I believe about life determines how I perceive life. Which determines what I receive from life. Most of the time when people feel unfulfilled in their life, they're not receiving that fulfillment from the life that they're living, is because they're operating from the wrong perspective. When we line our perspective up correctly, then our perception of life changes, and we receive fulfillment and the blessings of God from life. Listen, just because you got a lot of stuff doesn't mean that you're living a blessed life. The blessing of God and having stuff are two completely different things. So perspective is huge. Perspective is everything. Perspective forms and shapes every aspect of our lives. And either we're operating from an eternal perspective based on the word of God, or we're still operating on an old worldly mindset that's going to end in frustration and unfulfillment in our lives. And in going all in, I'm telling you guys, you cannot go all in until you make the final decision that you are going to operate off of an eternal perspective. For seeing this world for what it really is and what eternity for, and seeing eternity for what it really is makes all the difference in the world. Perspective is huge, and, and I know I'm, I'm talking, saying that word a lot. Um, I mean, think about the difference between cats and dogs. They operate off completely different perspectives, don't they? In fact, if I were to read you diary excerpts from a dog and a cat, it would probably read two completely different ways, wouldn't you think? Yeah, so... Let me read to you some diary excerpts, hypothetically, from a dog and from a cat, from a dog's perspective. 8.30 a.m., dog food, my favorite thing. 9.30 a.m., a car ride, my favorite thing. 9.40, a walk in the park, my favorite thing. 10.30, got rubbed and petted. My favorite thing. You can just picture a dog saying this while they're doing it. You know, I'm reading this. It's crazy. Uh, 1 p.m. played in the yard. My favorite thing. 5 p.m. dinner. My favorite thing. 7 p.m. got to play ball. My favorite thing. Yeah, I'm picking up on this. 8 p.m. Wow, I watch TV with the people. My favorite thing. 11 p.m. sleeping on the bed. My favorite thing from a dog's perspective. Excerpts from a cat's diary. Yeah, you are laughing because you already know how this is going to go. From a cat's diary. Day 983 of my captivity begins. (laughs) My captors continue to taunt me with bizarre little dangly objects. They dine lavishly on fresh meat while the other inmates and I are fed some sort of dry nuggets. Although I make my contempt for the rations perfectly clear, I nevertheless must eat something in order to keep up my strength as I plan my escape. And that's a cat's diary excerpt. Two different perspectives, two different perspectives on life. And you could go around 
and just talk about how perspective affects your mood and your outlook and your approach and whether or not you're operating from a position of power or not. There's a big difference in having the right perspective and the wrong perspective. And Eternal perspectives matter the most. If you got your Bibles or your devices, go to Luke chapter 10. I want to read a story to you, and then we're going to look at this story from some different perspectives. See what the Lord going to speak to us today. Luke chapter 10, verse 30 through 37. I believe all the notes for the message today are available on version. If you want to hop on that and follow along, you're more than welcome to. We've got the verses on the screens for you this morning and available to everyone watching online. Most of you probably remember the story of the Good Samaritan. You've got grown up in church. You probably were taught this in Sunday school, or at some point you've heard this taught on or talked about in church world because it's such a powerful story that Jesus tells to teach some powerful truths. And there's just, there's more than one nugget of gold in this story. In verse 30, it says, In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, When he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away. Now, it's one thing to rob somebody, but to strip them down and then beat them, man, that's just mean. They left him half dead. A priest happened to be going along the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed on the other side. So, too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came uh, where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine, and, and then he put the man on his own donkey and brought him to the inn and took care of him. And the next day, he took out ten uh, denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. And after that, or after him, he said, Look, uh, when I uh, look after him, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Now, and Jesus asked, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? The expert replied, well, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus says, go and do likewise. I want to talk to you about different perspectives from people in this story. And perspective number one is the perspective of the robber in this story. And his perspective probably would have been, what's yours is mine. What's yours is mine. He took what belonged to the other man. What's yours is mine. And I know probably in here today you would say, that's not my outlook on life, or it's not my outlook on how I operate with my possessions, my time, my talent, my resources, the gifts that God has given me. I I don't look at people and think that I want to take something from them. But I would argue that we've all got a selfish streak inside of us. And if we don't keep it in check, it can get pretty loud and pretty rowdy and cause a lot of problems in our lives and in our walk with God. We're all born with it. I mean, think about a toddler. Have you ever known an over-generous toddler? It's all my, 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 mine, right? Yeah. So we're all born with this mind kind of mindset And we grow out of it once we get a reality check with how the real world begins to operate. I mean, if you want to look at another perspective, this is a toddler's perspective 
on how the rules of possession work. So here it goes. Number one, if I like it, it's mine. If it's in my hand, it's mine. If I can take it from you, it's mine. If I had it a little while ago, it's mine. If it's mine, it must never appear to be yours in any way, ever. It's mine. Done deal. If I'm doing or building something, all the pieces are mine. Can I get an amen from the parents? Y'all know what I'm talking about. If I saw it first, it's mine. If you're playing with something and you put it down, it automatically becomes mine. If it's broken, then it's yours. That's how it works when you're raising a toddler. You know? It's mine, 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 mine. And you say, well, Pastor Josh, I don't operate that way, and I get that. But think about this. How many times, even as an adult, have you seen something that someone else had and said, hey, that's yours, but I want it for myself? And maybe you didn't physically take it from that person, but you went out and got it for yourself. Because through comparing yourself and what you have and don't have to someone else's life, you thought, wow, I'm missing something and I need it. So what is that person's I'm going to make my own? I wonder how many bass boats have been purchased because a guy was fishing from the bank and saw people having a whole lot of fun on the water and thought, I need one of those in my life. You know what I mean? Golly, how many Camaros are on the road because... I mean, I think it's God's will for every man to have a Camaro in the garage. I'm just saying. But the classics. I mean, a classic 69. Whew, man, it'd just be. But, but how many times have we done that? You know, you've got to be careful that your perspective isn't influenced by what other people have. That you keep an eternal perspective on what matters most. How God blesses them has nothing to do with how he's blessing you. And maybe what they have isn't a blessing of God in the first place. Maybe they're drowning in debt and begging for a way out because of all the stuff that they've got. And you, not having a lot of stuff but having virtually no debt at all, are living a larger life of freedom than they are. You know what I'm saying? So you got to be careful on that and make sure that we keep our perspectives right what's yours is mine and second perspective uh, would be the perspective from the Levite and the priest and what they would say is what's mine is mine and I'm going to keep it I find a lot of people have this perspective when it comes to our uh, time to our, our possessions, our gifts, our talents, money, resources, all of that. We say, what's mine is mine, and I'm going to keep it. If you look at the story, all of the people that walked by the guy that got beat up and robbed, they saw the same opportunity to serve someone. They all saw the same problem. They all saw someone that needed help. But the Levite and the priest chose to walk by because they wanted to keep their time. They had to keep their schedule. They were on the way to Jericho. They didn't want to be inconvenienced. They wanted to keep their resources, and they just walked by. It's not like they didn't see the need, but they chose to keep what they had instead of stopping to help the person who was there in need or fulfilling the need that was there. It's crazy when you think about it. I remember, I, I like 
I like to go on daddy-daughter dates with my kids. I love it. It's just me and them time, and sometimes I take them out together, and sometimes I take them out individually so they can just get one-on-one daddy time, and it's just the best, man. We go to different places, get ice cream or chicken nuggets, or you know, we'll run to, to Longhorn, and they love that chocolate stampede dessert that they've got at Longhorn. If you've never tried that, it will change your life forever. But just plan to not do anything at all for the next three hours after you eat it. It'll just it'll jack you up. But I, I love taking them out to eat. And I remember one time I was taking Hannah out, and she wanted to go to McDonald's because she wanted a Happy Meal. McDonald's brainwashes kids into wanting the Happy Meals. So we went there, and I really didn't want anything to drink. So I had a cup of coffee, and she had her Happy Meal. She had her burger, and she had her little fries, and she was just eating and we were just chatting and I was having fun and, and, and I looked at her fries and they began to speak to me. You ever had that problem? I mean, there's something about McDonald's French fries. Can, I just, can we just take a moment and just be honest and real? Aren't McDonald's French fries like a step above most other French fries that you can get? Like, I've been guilty of getting food at one place and then going to McDonald's just to get their French fries to complete the meal, you know, when the craving hits. Now, I know some of y'all are eating a lot healthier right now. And for me to even suggest eating McDonald's french fries just makes you feel a little weird. But listen, let's be honest. In your darkest moments, when no one's looking, don't you just sometimes want a McDonald's french fry? You know, I wanted, I mean, somebody, somebody said, I want one now. We're going to have some food tonight. Maybe we'll have McDonald's french fries tonight. Um, but you got to hit, you like, eat them in a certain time frame, though, or they turn into something that's not recognizable, you know. So fresh, and they're good. So Hannah was eating her fries, and I saw those fries, and I'm like, I want a fry. So I reached over to get a french fry, and she went. Those are my fries. If you want some, get your own. And in that moment, I had a thought that a lot of you parents have probably had, haven't experienced something similar with your children. I thought, oh, my goodness, it's time for a life lesson. <laughs> and so many things are going through my mind. I, that kid said, they're her fries. She wouldn't even have those fries if I didn't buy those fries. She wouldn't get them if they didn't come from me. Like that kid's grabbing them and saying, they're hers. And I'm like, kid, you got no idea. If I took those fries away from you, you would have no fries at all. You would have to go get a job and get your own money to buy your own fries. Have you ever wanted to look at your kids sometimes and just say, why don't you just go get a job and pay for the stuff that you're complaining about and not wanting to share back? Oh my gosh, step out into the real world. I almost made my little five-year-old daughter go get a part-time job just to buy French fries in that moment. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And then uh, the other thing I was thinking, she has no idea. I, I, if I wanted a fry, you get a fry, but if I really wanted a lot of French fries, I'd just go get them myself. Because I can buy my own french fries. You know what I mean? I could go get a hundred orders of french fries if I wanted to. And I could sit down there and wait for them to bring the fries out and then just pour french fries all over us if I wanted to and just cover us with fries. 
How awesome would that be? Just think about that for a second. Just to be covered in McDonald's french fries with a bottle of ketchup. And you could just eat your way out of the pile and then dive back in if you wanted to. It, death from french fry consumption. It'd be crazy. Well, why did Pastor Josh die? Did he not come up for air? He's like, yeah, he came up for air three times, but he always dove back in with some more ketchup. I don't know. I was just thinking, we could, I could bury us in french fries. This kid has no idea. No idea. She was operating off of the perspective of what is mine is mine, and I'm going to keep it. And I was just thinking, you know what? What I wanted from her had nothing to do with the fries. I just wanted a little bit of dad tax. I just, that's a thing. That's a thing right there. It's the dad tax is a thing. And I just wanted to eat a fry and, and hang out with her. It wasn't even about the fries. It was about my time with her. And it was about us sharing something together. You know? Hey, I got news for you. When it comes to life, what you've got not your french fries. It's all his. It's all his. And not only is it all his, he doesn't even really need the french fries that you got. He can get his own. It's not about the fries. It's about hanging out with us. It's about sharing something. It's about teaching us that what we've got is not our own, but it's something to be trusted with to be used to impact the lives of other people. It's amazing. When you stop and think about it, it's just, it's, this is a conclusion that I've come to in our walk with God is that selfishness and significance cannot coexist. And if you want to have a significant walk with God and see God use you to impact the lives of others, selfishness has to die because God has called us to be a river with the resources that he's given us, not a reservoir. So he wants to give to us so that he can give through us to bless others. You know why the Dead Sea is the Dead Sea? The Dead Sea is the Dead Sea because it has an inlet, but it has no outlet. So everything that comes into it stays, and it's just a useless body of water that people go to and try to float in because the salt content in it is higher, and people have more buoyancy in it, and you can, like, like borderline sit on top of the water and just barely float in there. It's so thick that boats cannot go across the water. Nothing can live in it. That's why it's called the Dead Sea, because it has no outlet. You don't want to be the Dead Sea spiritually. You've got to understand that what we have, what we have is not ours to keep. What we have is ours to funnel out to others. You don't want to be like a little kid that can't understand that the fries aren't theirs. The fries were just given to them. And it's crazy when you think about it. Proverbs eleven twenty four. 24, it, it reads like this. It says, give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. Be stingy and lose everything. Well, I don't believe that's true, Pastor Josh, because I've seen a lot of stingy people, and they have a lot of stuff, and they haven't lost it yet. What makes you think this is talking about stuff? Because you can have a lot of stuff 
and be a million miles away from God's will for your life. And in gathering temporary possessions in this world, you lose what matters most for eternity. That's what this is talking about here. It's not about the stuff. It's about the perspective and where the heart is on everything. And, and I think that kind of leads into the, the next perspective, and that's the perspective of the Samaritan. The Samaritan saw the situation and saw the need and stepped in, and what he said was, what's mine is yours, and I'm going to give it. What's mine is yours, and I'm going to give it. He saw the same need that the Levite and the priest saw. And when they decided to just go on because they didn't want to be inconvenienced with it, he hit the brakes and stepped into the need and not only spent his time, his gifts, but also his resources in making sure that the victim was taken care of. See, he didn't mind being inconvenienced because he knew to walk past a need would be a greater inconvenience on his heart. Man, it's a dangerous place to be at the place in life where you can walk by need and not be affected by it. When you can live knowing that people are going to hell all around us and still be focused on our own day-to-day and our own little bubble of a world, to know that there are teens committing suicide all around us, that there are marriages falling apart all around us, to know that drug use in our county surrounding us are through the roof and we could do something about it in reaching people for Jesus, but we stay focused on our own little life and our own little world and walk past it like the priest and the Levite, not looking back. We need to be more like the Samaritan and hit the brakes and step into the need and say, you know what, I might not be able to solve all of it, but I can deal with this one right here. And I can use what I've got to make the difference in one person's life. And that's what happened. And if you want to live a life where you're going all in for God, I got news for you. You are going to be inconvenienced. Your schedule and your agenda and God's schedule and God's agenda, very rarely will they match up on their own. Why? Because naturally we're selfish and we want to keep to ourselves and do for ourselves. And we have to put that to death in order to operate at the level that God is calling us to. If you want to live all in, you're going to be inconvenienced. And Jesus told us straight up, hey, you follow me? You follow me? You've got to walk away from everything. You've got to pick up your cross. You've got to deny yourself. And you've got to follow me. Colossians tells us that our life is no longer our own, but our life is now hidden in Christ Jesus because we died. We died. We belong to Christ. We belong to Christ. If you want to go all in, I'm telling you, it's a life where you'll be inconvenienced. Why? Because the need is all around you. The beautiful part of that, though, is the inconvenience opens the door to beautiful opportunity. And when on the front end seems like an inconvenience to you, on the back end is a huge blessing where you get to see lives changed and impacted by the power and presence of God as he uses you in your day-to-day life, as he uses you in your church, as he uses your time, your gifts, your talents, your, your resources, not for yourself, but for the betterment of others. Going all in is an abandonment of yourself. 
and just stepping wholeheartedly into the will of God for your life. Man, let's be a church that goes all in for the kingdom of God. Amen? And the next perspective I want to throw in here would be a step further than what the Samaritan was thinking about. And to me personally, I think this is where you eventually get as you grow closer to God. And this is what you would call really being more spiritually minded in your perspective and in your approach to life. And, and this one would, would be, what's mine is not mine. And I'm going to steward it. What's mine is not mine and I'm going to steward it. You realize Psalm 24, 1 is true when it says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Who does it belong to? It's all his. It's all his. James 1, 7, you read this and you realize, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. It all belongs to him, and everything that we've got comes from him. What I've got on my own isn't my own. It's his, and I am just going to steward it. You know what a steward is? steward is someone who takes care of the property of someone else. It's all his property. We're just stewards over it. It's funny, I'm seeing... Some people in here that haven't been here in several weeks, and I'm glad to see you back. And it's crazy in this COVID spikes and people having to be wise about their health and staying home. Say a big thank you to a lot of you guys who are here today. I kind of want to take you guys out to lunch and just hang out with you before the Super Bowl today. But uh, I'm kind of short on cash right now. <laughs> so I'd like to, to take you guys out. I just, I'm, I don't know. Just, anybody here? Got maybe an extra 20 or 30 bucks you could loan me so I could take somebody out this evening? Or... Okay, cool. Bam, 30 bucks. Anybody else? I got a good thing going here right now. Anybody else got 30 bucks to help me? Nah, <laughs> She's, this is awesome. She brought up 20. I'm going to put this right here. Because that is awesome. Now, why did Eric have 30 bucks to give me? Because I gave it to him. That's right. I gave it to him before service, and I said, hey, man, here's 30 bucks. When I need it later on in the service, I want you to give it to me so I can use it for an illustration. And he said, okay. When I gave it to him, whose money was it? It's mine. When I gave it to Eric to keep for me, Whose money was it? It was still my money. I just asked Eric to keep it until I needed it. It wasn't Eric's. Eric was a steward over the money until I needed it for something else. Now here's what's crazy. Because Eric properly stewarded over the money for the sake of this illustration. I'm glad you didn't run off and go shopping or something, bro. It's been real awkward right now. <laughs> but because he did that, check this out. It prompted generosity in someone else who wasn't a part of what Eric and I had discussed. Because this is how this works. When we operate out of the right perspective, 
it becomes contagious to those around us. Generosity spreads just like selfishness spreads. And if you live a life of generosity, not just with your money, but with your time, with your gifts, your talents, and all of your resources, not just financial resources, but you say, God, everything that I have is yours. It makes a difference, and it changes things, and other people respond to it through the example. I got a word for you today. If you have a problem with being tight-fisted with your money when it comes to giving, and you have a problem surrendering your time to the Lord to serve, giving your gifts, your talents, and your resources to the Lord to be served. Listen, you are just like that little kid of mine who thought that the French fries were hers. You still don't understand that it's not yours. It belongs to Him. When you have the right perspective, it changes everything. Because you realize, I'm just passing through this place. Everything here is temporary. It all belongs to Him. It's all for Him to glorify His name. I'm just a steward over what I've been entrusted with. If you were going to deliver a package to somebody that needed what you have, and you went down to the post office or went to UPS and said, I want to overnight this to this person. You gave them the address, you gave them the package, and you walked out and you left. The next day you called the person and said, hey, did you get the package that I sent you? And they said, no, it didn't come. Didn't get it. You're supposed to have it by 1 o'clock today. No, I didn't get it. It's 9 o'clock at night. Didn't get it. So the next day you drive down to the place and you say, hey, uh, I gave you a package to overnight to somebody that needed what I had, um, but y'all didn't deliver it. What's going on with that? And the person that runs the shipping service looked at you and said, oh, I didn't realize that was for them. I thought you were giving that to me. So I kept it. Sure, where I'm going with that? We've got to realize when it comes to everything that we have. We are just the delivery person. We're just the delivery person. The package belongs to God. When we get to the place where we understand that and we don't keep it for ourselves, but God is now able to use us as a funnel of blessing and generosity and resource to everyone that we come into contact with. That's a game changer in our lives. Because we move away from accruing possessions to getting blessings in our lives. Different thing altogether. That doesn't mean that God still won't give you stuff. He still gives you stuff. But you have the stuff. The stuff doesn't have you. And you realize the stuff is a tool and a resource that belongs to God. And you're just a steward of it. Just a steward of it. You've got to get your eyes off of you and put them on an eternal perspective. If you want to go all in, it's got to all be about Him. Ain't too many times we're like the donkey that Jesus rode on when He was coming into Jerusalem 
the Passover day before he was crucified. Now, if y'all remember the story, <clears throat> Jesus is riding into Jerusalem, and there's this triumphant procession, and people are welcoming him as he comes in, and they're crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna, and they're welcoming him and throwing down their robes like they would for a king entering a city, and they're waving the palm branches, and they're singing, and they're shouting and rejoicing. And the donkey looks up and sees all of this happening and goes, oh, I had no idea. I didn't know that they loved me this much. I had no idea. I was such a big deal. This is great. Everybody came out to see me today. It's about time. This is awesome. Because he thought all the rejoicing was for him from his perspective. And he forgot who he was carrying. And I got news for you this morning, church. We can never forget having the right perspective. Because you and I are just the donkey who carries Jesus everywhere we go. Look at the person next to you and say, hey, you're a donkey. You're a donkey. You're a donkey. Listen, we just carry Jesus where we go. We just carry Jesus where we go. So what does that mean, Pastor Josh? Here's what it means. It means that it's not ours. It's all his. We just get the privilege of stewarding it. It's all his. Everybody say that with me. It's all his. It's all his. It's all his. Going all in means it's all his. It means that I'm all his. And it's really not even about the stuff. It's about my heart. Jesus said, where your treasure is or your heart will be also. It's about my heart. It's about him being number one. And if he's number one, Everything else takes care of itself because I have the right perspective. What kind of perspective do you have on life? I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you. Go all in. Have an eternal perspective. The stuff that we work so hard for, we don't get to keep. There's a great quote by a missionary whose story is just unbelievable. And he says that he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. That's the perspective. It's all his stuff. We're just the stewards. If you would, let's stand together this morning. Perspectives are powerful. Perspectives reveal heart condition. And while we're standing, if you would, everyone bow your heads, close your eyes. Don't want anyone looking around. It's a private moment. What is your perspective? And does it need to change? Are you focused on the temporary stuff that won't matter? Or are you focused on the eternal stuff that will last forever?
maybe you're here this morning and you haven't even considered a question like that. And you, you just, you, you're at a place right now where the bigger question is, is Jesus Lord and Savior of your life? Maybe you're here this morning and if you had to tell the truth about your relationship with God, it's not where it needs to be. And Jesus really isn't in control. And while what we're talking about today from perspectives is a lordship issue in and of itself, what I'm talking about is accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Is he Lord and Savior of your life? Are you willfully choosing to sin in your life and neglecting your relationship with Jesus? You're here today and you say, you know what, Pastor Josh, my walk with God is not where it needs to be. And the beauty about that whole thing is you know the truth right now. You know, you know. I got some tips for you. Uh, I hope so means no, it's not. Maybe means no, it's not. When it's real, you know it's real. Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. If you're here today and you say, you know what? I need Jesus to be Lord and Savior of my life. I need to get my walk with God where it needs to be. When I count to three, I want you to lift your eyes. I want you to look at me. I'm not going to single you out or call you up front or anything. I just want to pray with you this morning. So here we go. If that's you, on the count of three, lift your eyes and look at me. One, two, three. Lift them up and look at me. I see yours. I see yours. Praise God. I see yours. I see yours. Just a little bit longer. If you haven't lifted your eyes yet, you know you need to lift them up and look at me. I want to pray with you this morning. All right, we have four people lift up their eyes this morning. Praise God for that. Hey, I'm going to pray with you. Yeah, let's celebrate for a second, church. That's awesome. I'm going to pray with you. And I'm going to say a prayer, and I want you to repeat the prayer after me. There's nothing magical about this prayer, okay? Uh, but the Bible says you believe in your heart, and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. So we've believed in our hearts, so we're going to confess with our mouths is what we're about to do. And we're all going to pray this with you because we have a saying here at this church, at Eastgate, no one walks alone, okay? You are in a church that is committed to your success and your walk with God. So don't let today just be the only day that you're here Come back. Come back and set up roots so that you can grow in what God is doing in you today. I'm going to pray with you. So let's all uh, bow our heads and close our eyes real fast as we pray. Repeat this after me. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for my sins. Jesus, you are Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for saving me. I choose to repent from my sin. That means I turn away from it. I choose you now. And one day at a time, one step at a time, I'm going to grow into who you called me to be as I follow you. Thank you for your forgiveness and for saving me. Amen. Can we praise God one more time for that? I love it. All in. All in. Heart, soul, mind, and strength. Everything belonging.
to him. By a show of hands, no altar call, no nothing. How many of you would say, Pastor Josh, I'm going to do my best to go all in for Jesus in this season. Not just this season, but for the rest of my life. Oh my gosh, that's almost 100% of us. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. D.L. Moody, one of the greatest evangelists ever. And I say greatest, he would draw crowds. It, it was amazing how many people he led to the Lord in his lifetime before there was mass communication. It was just unreal. He had a point of decision in his life. He was sitting on a bench and an evangelist was talking to him. And in a casual conversation, the evangelist said this, that the world is yet to see what God can do through a person who is wholly committed and consecrated to him. D.L. Moody in that moment made a decision and said, you know what? I'm just a person. There's nothing special about me. But I can choose what I commit to. And I can choose what I do with my heart. And I will give God everything. And I will do my utmost to be that person. And the rest is history. If you want a crazy read on what God can do in somebody's life, look up D.L. Moody and read some of the excerpts of amazing things God did through a simple person who made a major commitment like we are right now all in with everything that we are for God and there's more than one person here and there's more than one person watching online right now can you imagine can you imagine what God can do through a church full of people that are all in for Jesus not not all in for a church not all in for a pastor, not all in for a program, not all in for a whatever ministry, all in for Jesus. Because that's what matters the most. Whew. That's what matters the most. I want to encourage you with all my heart, come back next week. Next week is a huge celebration service for us as a church. Huge, because we're going to celebrate everything that God did through this church to impact the lives of the community around us. And it's important that you're here because you have a part in that. You have a part in it. You have a part in it because some of you guys are some of the most generous people I've ever met, not just with resources, but with your time, your gifts, your talents. You just have given to the Lord and the Lord has blessed it. And next week we're going to celebrate that blessing. It's going to be amazing. Some powerful videos and testimonies. We're going to, I'm going to give you some numbers that are going to blow your mind. It's going to be amazing. So don't miss next Sunday. All of my heart, please be here. It's going to be absolutely amazing as we celebrate what God did through us. And that's key because it's all His glory. Amen? Amen. Super Bowl party tonight. Going to have some fun. Let me pray over you real fast. We're going to get out of here because I know you've got some things you need to do. But as we go out of here, just remember, operate from the right perspective. Especially if somebody takes too long in line in front of you at the grocery store. Especially if somebody cuts you off in traffic. Show that love. Father, thank you for what you've done today, for what you spoke to us today, for the truth of your word, Lord, for your presence that's been here. Father, let us operate from your perspective an eternal perspective. Everything we've got is yours. It's not ours. We're just stewards over it. So as we go out of here, Lord, let us walk out of here looking for an opportunity to be used by you with what we have to be used by you. 
bring us back safe tonight for an awesome time together, just hanging out, and a football game will be on too. <laughs> Lord, bring us back next week to celebrate what you've done and give you glory for how you've used the people that have said, God, here I am, use me. Well, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, and amen. Let's give God praise one more time before we get out of here. Thank you so much, everyone watching online. We love you. Still got time to get up here tonight. Get your Super Bowl and hang out with us. We'll see you then.